Good morning. All right. There we are. Well, enjoyable. Good song. That, uh, that one song there that uh, shares about the, the challenges, the battles, the discouragements, those things. It's like, whoa, that's a, a piece of real life for all of us. And another one of those moments that uh, feels like kind of comes out of today's talk a little bit. So... Well, it's uh, been a few weeks. It's good to be back, to hang out and visit, and just to be a part of the, the growth and the development of uh, the, the, the challenge that's been set before you to seek God's face and His encouragement to, uh, to bring the, the leader that God has for you to place in here with you so that you can be the people of faith, the One Hope community that God has called you to be. And uh, that's... That's what I desire for you, um, and I, I guess I'll be hanging out the next few couple weeks as you guys are deliberating and uh, talking and communicating and connecting and, and seeking God's face and making a real wise choice. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm just going to have some fun with you for the next couple weeks. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and... I think I said to her a while back, I says, well, this is fun. I'm just like the designated hitter, you know. <laughs> hey, bring that guy up, you know. And I just like come up to the plate, and it's like, you know, swing. And it's like, oh, ground ball. Okay. But, <laughs> but no. Um, so so it, make, it makes it just kind of fun to do that. Um, before I get into my title and my talk here, Living in the Commonplace, I want to do a couple things. Let's all stand. And while you're standing, would you show those pictures of... This morning, I went out to my farm barn, and I had a brand new little lamb. It still has a little wet umbilical cord hanging down and over next to mama. And so this is my first, uh, I bought these sheep last spring. Uh, that's the, um, the ewe there. And then uh, the little guy is all wet, and so he was out in the pasture, and so when he laid down, you know, sheep aren't pretty and white like you buy the little lamb chop doll in the store. No, I tell you, they get dirty quick. And so, uh, so this little, th- so this morning I, I was like, wow, what a moment. Um, and at least the reflection in my own life of thinking about the God that we're all here to serve today, no matter at what step or stage in our lives we are, that Jesus was a little lamb led to the slaughter. And I just took in a couple moments this morning in the title of my talk, which I've worked on this week, in the commonplace of living, of like, oh, I've never been around sheep. I mean, I'm a gutsy person, so I bought sheep, and now we're raising them, and I don't know anything about them. But, um, (laughs) But the thing is, is I then looked at that little lamb this morning, and it is so basically helpless, in one sense, so vulnerable, so open to any, I could just go right over and touch it and pick it up and hold it. And it just looked at me. And so I, you know, I'm snapping these little pictures real close and stuff. And so I just, I reflected for a few minutes this morning, just on that, the simplicity of who Jesus must be. And yet the magnificence of who he is. And I sent pictures this morning on Facebook, so forgive me. People are all, I'm going to need, I, I can't. 
this new, here we're going to turn this all the way down. There we go. And so they're always texting, I guess, like, oh, that's adorable, that's cute, whatever. So i got to turn that thing off. But I, I was just amazed at seeing the preciousness on the tenderness of this little lamb this morning. And so uh, that little baby there is probably not six or eight hours old, if that, this morning when I went down to the barn to feed and to care for them. And so I wanted to share that with you this morning since I talk about different animals that we have and we raise. So let's, uh, if you would, just in the aisles or come across the aisle, hold hands with one another. I'll hold your hand. And I'll hold your hold that other hand. And... (laughs) is what I want you to do is I want you to take a moment, okay, that works too, yes, yes, is, and however this might be, I want you, um, you're going to look to your right and then to your left, and I want you to share with that person and that person to share with you, here's the example, I want you to look and I want you to say, you are important to God, okay, and so, and then you'll look to the other person. You are important to God. You are important to God. Continue to hold hands for a moment. Jesus, I stand before you with all these important people to you. I ask for your presence to come. And I ask for it just to to rest with us. And Lord, we come to Sunday again this week as we do week in and week out. And... I just ask that you release us from the busyness of the past week and for the potential haphazardness of the fullness of the week before us to give us this time to rest in you. Fuel our minds. Fuel our hearts. Bring healing to our physical bodies. Touch our emotional conscience to be the person you've created us to be. Male and female, loving you and caring for you. We ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So, that's our little little lamb addition to the farm, and I wasn't expecting any lambs to be born probably until the end of October, the first of November. So this was a total surprise, um, and uh, and so mom must have done really well because there's that little fella sitting out there this morning. I've titled today's talk "The Art of the Common Place." Do any of you think your lives are common? So what's the art? Or maybe your life is not common. It's, it's very hectic. Maybe your life is all over the place. So in the process, as I move into this talk, I'm going to share some opening craziness, let's say. And then I want to take us to an Old Testament story. I'm going to take us to a story in the Bible of the Old Testament of someone that you probably may know. If you're someone that's grown up in church or you've sang some old songs, Samson and Delilah, you know, I, you know I, they, they become popular. Um, 
But Samson is a pretty well-known story. And whether you're on the, the, the Christian walk and understanding who the person of Samson is and his life, or you're somebody that doesn't know anything about the book of Judges and how God raised up judges and moved them in to help the nation of Israel because they were under oppression, usually from the Philistines or some other group of people that were holding them back and making them be their, their, their slaves and work underneath the confines of their understanding. So that's where I'm going to go with this of how we live in the commonplace. But I have a couple questions in the beginning. Do you feel that your life is, is just common? Do we know how to live in the commonplace? Or do we really function out of all the dysfunction? Oh my goodness, this is going on. Oh my gosh, that's happening. Is our life so hectic that, oh, there's the next appointment. I forgot I scheduled that. Oh, shoot. I'm on my way. Don't worry. I'm, I'm coming. I'm, I'll be right there. Or if you've got the, you know, forgive me, but I hear the turmoil. If there's the soccer mom mentality, I'm off here with the kids. I'm off here with the kids. Oh, darn it. I forgot the one kid over here. I got to go back and pick him up. You know, however it is, are you the workaholic dad or mom? Are you experiencing in life that you had an absentee father? Are you experiencing in one sense that you had a distant mother and it was your girlfriend or your boyfriend's mom who was the most significant mother role in your life? You know, all these dynamics can go into our lives that make it so our life feels discombobulated. It feels disoriented. Or maybe we had the smothering parents Oh, don't do that, Susie. Johnny, no, hey, straighten up. Oh, goodness, no, you're going to hurt yourself. And, you know, and so, or you had to baby-proof the whole house. Nothing could sit out, nothing could be, I don't know, okay. Um, I'm learning some of those things because my wife's talking that way because now we have a grandchild. So uh, I'm like, oh, goodness, what are we going to do? Or is it the ADHD? Did you take your meds? You know, I tell the kids at school, I, I'll, I'll teach school, and they'll say, I can't help it. I'm ADHD. And man, I will just, I'll, I'll, they'll, they'll say, I can't help it. I'm ADHD. And I'll just turn around. I said, I am too, and I didn't take my medication. And that's why I'm subbing in this class today. You know, they go, oh my goodness, okay, all right. You know, and so you, you fuel them. And, and my mom tells me the stories. I don't know if I was four, six, seven. But you know the round, they don't have them nowadays. But if you go in the doctor's office, they used to have that round stool with the wheels on and the doc would come in and he'd sit down and he'd scoot over next to you on his little chair and he's checking your blood pressure and looking at you and asking you all these questions and everything. Well, my mom would say when we got in the doctor's office, that waiting period, 8, 12, 15, 20 minutes before doc shows up, right? They walk in the room. I'm on my tummy, rolling around the room, kicking against the wall, you know, and, and my mom's like, does he need medication? So, and I guess that's why I am what I am today in one sense. Uh, so I, I did get medicated a little bit as a kid, but, but not too much. I, I got so involved in other things that it kept my mind busy in one sense. And so even today, I just tell people that the reason why I work 24-7 is, is because I'm ADHD, and it's the best thing I know for me. And so, but I have learned how to sit down and read a book. It took a lot. 
and, and over life's time, not until I was in my late 30s and middle 40s, and so now I can read 20 to 30 books a year. And, and a part of that reading story of living in the commonplace that kind of got crazy was I couldn't stand I couldn't stand to read. I never read my first book until I went to my first year of college. I skimmed everything in high school. I, you know, I was just a BC student. It got an A? Golly, that was awesome if I got an A. You know? But the BC, and then when later on in my career becoming a supervisor, you want BC students, so strong C. You want BC students. A students really accelerate, and they're going to tell you all the rights and wrongs of why the project needs to go that way. And that's a good thing to have them in the office and in the engineering part. But when you have them on the field, they just get in the way of getting the job done. So uh, at least that's been my experience. So, um, so the thing is, is, the BC student is the one that's going to think outside the box a little bit more to be more creative in the job. It's amazing, though, how we've stereotyped the concepts of how students are or where we're at academically or how we function with our ADHD or our OCD personalities. Oh, Susie Cleaney on everything, OCD, I don't know, it could be, it couldn't be. Um, Or we just can't stay focused. Would you be able to stay focused if you just got up in the morning and you did the same routine thing again and the same routine thing again the next day? Would you be able to stay focused? Or do we live in a culture That there's so many forms of newsfeed. There's so many TV channels growing up. And, and, and I'm not trying to put this in the past because I think there's many positive things that technology brings us. I really remember ABC, NBC, and CBS. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm aging myself. But. Uh, but the thing is, today, I, I, that dish, or what, that's what I have, and we're about to get rid of it. But uh, I, have, I have this dish. I think I got 200 channels. And I still only watch the 8 or 12 that I like. The DIY channel, yeah, I love barn builders. But uh, anyways, the story I want to share with you today is about Samson's mom and dad. You didn't hear that story much in Sunday school and church. You don't hear them singing about that story on the radio about Samson and Delilah. You know. um, but the story of Samson, who was one of the judges that was called by God, he had a mom and he had a dad. And so I want to read that story, the entire chapter of Judges. Uh, and, and when I read this, I want to share a couple pieces here because I think it's it's interesting that Samson's mother's name is never mentioned. But I'm going to point out a few things after we read this of how important a woman she was. Let's go and we'll move into Judges chapter 13. And I'm just going to read through this entire chapter with us. And then I'm going to draw out a few points. Okay. The birth of Samson. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. 
So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. Let me just pause and then I'll continue to read. So the nation of Israel does not have a king. They have somebody who would be like a judge that would rule. Okay, if we wanted to call it like the sheriff or the overseer. And so that person would say, here's what we're to do. But then if somebody else moved into the land or pushed on them, they would then oppress them and say, no, we're going to take your land. And you're going to raise the stuff for us. And you're going to make the crops for us. And so they would be oppressed and they wouldn't be able to worship the way that they desired Jehovah God. They were not able to make all the sacrifices that they needed to make because they were being oppressed. They were being held back from being able to have the freedoms of living the life that they felt that they were called to by the covenant, the Ten Commandments, that they were living through and under at the time. So now it's 40 years, a generation, that these people have lived with the Philistines dominating them. Okay? So... The Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. Those are great names. You want to name your son Manorah and live in Zorah? Okay. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. Did you know that about Samson, that God told his mom... To never cut his hair? Or we just thought that was the Nazarite vow. Spoken to his mom first. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The woman ran and told her husband, A man of God has appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels. It was terrifying to see. Now, how many of you would think if you saw God and his angels that it would be terrifying to see? You know that whole thing when we talk about what worship is? I like to use the word worship in the sense of like an awe or wonder. That literally you're going, Oh my, oh, my, our culture doesn't reflect that. I don't know how to be like in awe and get down on my knees and be back and go, that is so magnificent. It, but in the sense, when something you haven't seen before, but yet is so powerful, I don't know that we run and go, oh, that is so cool. We're like, oh my goodness, that is so moving. That really spoke to me. And so here's Samson's mom, before she's pregnant, that she's going to become pregnant, seeing an angel of God that's terrifying to her, but knowing there is something powerful about it. And she was just living her everyday life in the commonplace. So she ran and told her husband, 
It was God's angels, and it was terrifying to see. I didn't even ask where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he told me that you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. For your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment his birth until the day of his death. And then Manoah prayed to the Lord, saying, Lord, please let this man of God come back to us and again give us more instructions about this son who is to be born. God answered Manoah's prayer, and the angel of God appeared once again to his wife as she was sitting in the field, but her husband Manoah was not with her. So she quickly ran and told her husband, the man who appeared to me the other day is here again. And Manoah ran back with his wife and asked, are you the man who spoke to my wife the other day? Yes. He replied, I am. So Manoah asked him, When your words come true, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? And the angel of the Lord replied, Be sure your wife follows the instructions that I gave her. She must not eat grapes or raisins or drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden food. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please stay here until we can prepare a young goat for you to eat. I will stay, the angel of the Lord replied, but I will not eat anything. However, you may prepare a burnt offering as a sacrifice to the Lord. Manoah didn't realize it, didn't realize it was the angel of the Lord. And then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord, what is your name? For when all this comes true, we want to honor you. Why do you ask my name? The angel of the Lord replied, It is too wonderful for you to understand. Then Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot up towards the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground. And the angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized it was the angel of the Lord. And he said to his wife, We will certainly die, for we have seen God. But his wife said, if the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and grain offering. He wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles. So when her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he lived in Mahanadan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtal. Many times, men, it's women in our lives 
that will help us recognize and see God's hand. Manoah and his wife, Samson's mom, were doing the normal things. They were living in the commonplace, and God showed up. And it was terrifying, unrecognizing what this was, but also recognizing something deep inside of you that this is God moving and listening to what the Spirit of the Lord through this angel is saying. That's what this woman did. And she shares that with her husband. And they too, together now, are understanding that God is speaking and moving to them as they were doing the normal things of their life. They were living in the commonplace. But yet God broke in. And yet in the midst of the commonplace, they had time to hear what God was saying. And they stopped. I didn't grow up Jewish. I'm not so sure that I fully understand what it would mean to go give a sacrifice. I have ideas of things that I've sacrificed in my life, or I've, I've given up this, or I've done that for Lent. Or, but, but to think about what a sacrifice is that's something that's taking place, that's, that's, that's in replace of giving that young goat, giving the grain offering. Those are things that I needed to eat because in the commonplace of my life, I had to work to get that grain so I could fuel my body to live the next day to get more grain. And in the commonplace of their lives, they heard from God. And so today, I wonder in the commonplace of your life and in my life, how much are we still available to hear from God? I want to I take away three pieces out of the story. And, and you can go back and, and read the story and read it in different translations and hear different, understand, uh, different pieces of the story the way it may be shred out. But I've pulled these four pieces out. The first one is from verse 4. And it was kind of highlighted in the story itself right from the text. It said, the angel of the Lord spoke to Samson's mom and said, be careful. If there are things in your life that you're living a common life, or you're living the ADHD hectic life that we talked about earlier, because I know that's a piece of my life, most definitely has been in the past, and learning how to sit and be still and hear the Spirit of the Lord. Thirty years ago, I could have sat right there with you, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I hear that. I'll be out of here at 12. See you later. We're going to eat lunch. Going to do something else. Or we're going to come do service work tonight. Or we're going to go to the men's air, uh, air, 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 not air care. What's your airmen's group, right? Uh, oh, and you're going to do the, the women's group, or you're going to do the, you're going to do caring for the children's ministry. So you're still going to do this stuff, but when do you rest in the presence of what God is doing in your life in the midst of commonplace? So these words that the angel of the Lord speaks to Samson's mom says, so be careful. Now here's the Earl translation. I like to look at that, hearing the angel of the Lord saying, live this life with care. 
there was all kinds of regulations in the law at that time about the drink. As you hear, don't drink wine, don't drink alcohol, and later on it says raisins and grapes because that's where alcohol uh, beverages can come from. But I like to think when he says live life carefully can be applied to all of us because I think it's that life is fragile. Here's a woman that wanted a child. And the angel of the Lord showed up and said, you're going to have one. You know, that story is repeated numerous times throughout the Bible of someone who's praying to have a child. We have Abraham, whose wife Sarah does not have the child. So she offers off her handmaid to her husband to bear a child. We have the woman Hannah, who prays to have a child. And she has the first prophet, Samuel, to speak to the nation of Israel. And here we have the story of Samson's mom, who's been unable to have a child. And the angel of the Lord speaks up and says, you're going to have a child, but live carefully. Life is fragile. If I could put it in real common terms, it's like think before you speak. Look before you step. How often do we feel hurt by other people's words or comments? How often do we not understand that we hurt by our words or comments? Where is that ability to be careful and take into consideration the life that we live in the commonplace? She tells her husband, she speaks and says, I saw an angel of the Lord and it was terrifying. And so what does her husband do? He prays. He prays and he says, God, would you show up again? Would you show up again? That's brave. Because most of the time we're going, uh, I'm not sure if I heard God speak or not. Um, well, we'll see. Instead of going, I'm not sure if I heard God speak or not. God, if that was you, would you show up again? Would you speak into my life again? Would you fill me with a dream or a vision that I might know and see and be able to reflect that you are the God who loves me? Because what did we say when we started this morning? I'm important to you. You've created me. You've brought me into this world. Even though life is hectic and crazy, I'm here in this world to be important, to be a part of the kingdom of God that can go forward and be carried on. Live a life being careful. Live a life that's prayerful. Prayer changes things in ways that we can't. When we cry out to heaven, Heaven can come back to us in ways that we never expected it. Are we living in the commonplace so we can hear it? And the third thing, I take away a piece from this story, is when you're living in the commonplace, I like what verse 21 says. It says that Manoah, Samson's father, realized that it was the angel of the Lord. Are you able to realize when God's speaking to you? 
Are you able to realize, to see the hand of a God that has the big picture when I'm only, I'm only a pawn in the story? But that pawn can make some powerful moves so that we can grow as the people of faith that we're called to be. Do we see God? Do we recognize Him? The art of living in the commonplace. When I was growing up, living in Detroit, um, story of a guy, bef- before we would say going green or being a recycler, there's this fella, he, he would go and he'd collect newspapers from alongside the, the garbage pickup day. And people would put them in their newspaper bags or they would tie them up with strings and, and he'd collect them and he'd save them in his garage and he'd get a truckload full and then he'd drive and he'd take that to the, to the dump and he'd get 15 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever it was for a whole truckload. And, and then he, he worked afternoons and he found a furniture store right off of 8 Mile in Detroit that would take all the cardboard from all the mattresses and furniture and... Uh, Stuff and they would throw the cardboard in this big dumpster that in that time it was probably in the 70s. And so he would, he just loaded, they'd pull, they would take that and just dump it in the, at, at, a, at a waste recycling place. Or no, it wasn't recycling, at a waste place. And so he would load it up in his truck and he would take it and, and get it recycled. But he would go three, four nights a week because he'd get there at 1130 at night after working afternoons. And so he would go, you're in and you're out. And sometimes between his newspaper and his junk picking up of paper and cardboard, he'd make between thirteen and 18000 bucks a year. Scrapping. Okay. So the thing is, is one night he's at the furniture store and he's unloading cardboard like he does all the time. And you, these big sheets of cardboard about the size of it. And he just backs his truck up and he pulls them off and he just slides them right in. And he does it regularly. Three, four nights a week at this, behind this furniture store on 8 Mile, right there on the city limit line of Detroit. He'd say he'd see all kinds of different stuff go on. He'd see people walking the streets. He'd see, you know, things of walking the street that walk the street in those situations. <laughs> I'm just saying it nicely. <laughs> because they're important to God, too. So he's unloading this cardboard, and he's pulling it back. And he grabs another piece, and he pulls it back. And there's a little girl laying in the cardboard. Roughly five to seven years old, he didn't know. And all of a sudden, he's like, hey. And she jumps up. She goes, no, no, don't call the police. Don't call the police. I'm going with you. And he's like, you're going, What? And she goes, no, I'm going with you. And he goes, no. And she was bound and determined that she was getting in his truck and going home with him. And it's almost midnight. And we're on 8 Mile. Right there on the city limit line of Detroit. I forget that suburb city that's right there, but right there off of Detroit on 8 Mile. And he goes, okay. And in the commonplace of his life, he lets her get in the truck, and he drives home. And since he always works an afternoon shift, his wife's waiting up for him. And she, he goes, "Hun," he goes, um, 
Don't be surprised. He says, I, I got a little girl here with me tonight. <laughs> and she goes, okay. And she's, what are you going to do? She goes, well, I'm just going to sleep here with you guys, and you can take me to school in the morning. And he wondered, uh, okay. So he made a little pallet on the bed, and she settled off to sleep. Got up that morning. My mom came into my bedroom and said, Earl, there's a little girl sleeping on the couch today. And in the commonplace of my dad's life, he'd do things that were like an angel. And I wonder in the commonplace of our everyday lives when we're doing things, when we get shocked, are we acting like an angel or do we act a little bit repulsed? My mom and dad took that little girl. She told them where she went to school. They packed her a little lunch, made her breakfast. I didn't know what to do. I was just a little kid myself, kind of. I think I was barely in middle school. And I was like, okay. They drove her off to that school, and my mom went in, and she said she talked to the office folks and told them the story of how my dad found her in the dumpster last night and brought her home. And they said, yeah, she's got a rough home life. Thank you for doing that. It's the last my parents ever know or seen on that little one. And is what I want to share, though, is what are you doing in the common place of life when God gives you an opportunity to care or to serve or to be served in your situation, whether it's hectic, it's ADHD, it's OCD, you pick the nomenclature. I don't know. But we live in a fallen, broken world that need people that are important to God, like all of us, to love one another and to care for people. Let's bow our heads for I believe that God does show up just like he did for Samson's mom and his father and in special ways as my own dad has done to show up in that young girl's life because my dad was following God's design for him to serve. I ask today, is your heart willing to be in that place of service if you're just living the common life? But there is no life that's just common. We're all important to God. If you want to sense and see more of God's God experience in you throughout the next week or two, I want to ask God to bless that. I'm going to have you slip your hand up so I can just ask God to bless that. Because I believe there's a unique thing that when you identify saying, I want something from God, that God will show it to you, but you have to be keen of knowing where he's going to speak. Just slip your hand up, and I can want to just bless that. Lord, bless those. Yes, bless them. 
Bless, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord, with what you know. Bless them, Lord. Yes, Lord, bless them. Bless them. Oh, thank you. Jesus, we come before you with hearts of service, with hearts sometimes too, Lord, that are just frustrated. Are we going through the motion or are we really seeing true work happening? Did we just give money or did we see transition take place? God, I ask that you work in our hearts, that we are more available to hear you, to see you, and to recognize that you are God working in our life. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for that. Take us from here today and let us be your kingdom servants. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Bless you all. So.